The Novice and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to The Novice and Frank. I'm Amanda, I'm the novice. I'm Frank. I'm I'm Frank. That's right, he is. Uh, we're going to talk about some podcasts today. Talk about some podcasts. We'll talk about podcasting, but also comic books. What a great start. No shame. I'm going to embrace it. No, we are not going to re-record this That's intro. Right. No no take backs in podcasting. <laughs> That's right. No crying in baseball, no take backs in podcasting. Before we get started talking about comic books, we're going to do our uh, traditional improvised theme song. Let me get, get us a start there. I you. love it. Boom, boom, chicka, bow, bow. You want to talk comics, but the cast hasn't started, so you gotta save it for the cast, because we're talking comics, comics with a novice and Frank. Yeah, it I'll sounds take good. It. Yeah, it was, I'll take no, it. No, that was that was uh, Amanda Barnes. Uh, you uh, you do better when you kick no, it off. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, yeah me. I don't know. I messed up our intro. Usually your intro is pretty solid, so <laughs> we're just putting ourselves out there, Frank. That's all I love. We we're do. pushing our boundaries. You know, that's all we can do. That's we, right. Yeah, you don't want to get comfortable. You no, know, like you say, like an improv. Like you know, you don't want everybody to become like the you know those go to people. Like you don't you, want that. Yeah, no, no, no. you don't want people to get used to you introducing and then me starting the song. Yep. You gotta you throw, throw things it. around a little bit. Mm, love it, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> That's how we become at, you know, at the top of our profession. That's right, top of our game, everybody. Yep, love it. All right, well, uh, welcome. Happy Wednesday, if you're downloading this on the first day it is available. Uh, <laughs> and I know you are, because who isn't excited? That's right, and if you're downloading it at another time, happy whatever day of the week it is yeah. for you. <laughs> then thank you for listening, regardless of the day. That's right. Yeah, so we, uh, uh, we have a, we're going to talk about Umbrella Academy today, but I wanted to ask you, because I felt like, uh, listening to our last one, I felt like it was like a little heavy. And I get it, because it was like, oh, this story set during the Iraq War. Like, yes. You know, this was a little heavy, so... I kind of want to just talk to you before we talk about Umbrella Academy, kind of what you've been reading. I know you just mentioned a big sale, and you started a Barry Allen, Barry Allen series. Uh, well, well, there of course the New York Comic Con last weekend mm-hmm. as we record this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, depending on when you listen to it. But what's cool, what I always love about anytime there's a huge convention around, uh, Comicsology will always do a big sale, kind of corresponding mm-hmm. with that, uh, and various publishers will end up putting some some of their uh, some or the majority or maybe all of their line mm-hmm. on really nice sale points. And this case was Image did a lot of their series. Uh, usually everything except for like Skybound. Okay. Uh, but pretty much I think everything uh was it Skybound? Anything from the uh, Skybound and the original 7. Like or, or the original 6 now I guess since Jim Lee is over at DC. But mm-hmm. everybody else uh yeah, so but all the other like the the, the general line with everybody else Really nice deep discounts of probably the majority of the run, which is really great. So I ended up catching up with Lazarus, Ah, picked up the rest of the issues to catch up to that, as well as the the source book, too, because I know you were excited about that. I was really excited about it. Yeah, and we got a new, I mean, again, this is when we're recording this, so this morning I got a new Lazarus on my iPad, because the episode, episode, uh, issue 25, I believe, today. Yeah. Very excited about it. I haven't gotten to read it yet, but I'm jazzed. And you caught up on Lazarus? I have not caught up on Lazarus. I bought all of them. I, I bought all of them. It, it seems like I like Lazarus is a series that I will buy on the sales. Mm-hmm. I don't really buy it month to month. Oh, so I'll, I'll wait and let like six, eight months go by, and then I'll buy all of them that I've missed whenever they do a big sale. I wish I had that patience. Because I from this is one of the few ones that I, I do want when, when it's new. But I also usually, depending on how long, how much time elapses, I have to go through and reread a couple before. Because I get, I can't remember, but I think that they do a really nice synopsis at the beginning of Lazarus. It kind of tells you what's up and sort of where everybody is, which I think is helpful for me personally. Yeah, uh, like so. All right, so you got the newest issue of Lazarus today. Mm-hmm. When do you read it? Do you read it today, or do you kind of put it off for a few days? No, I'll probably read it now that I know that it's today. I, honestly, for me, it's it's been hard even getting into a pattern, like knowing when the new issue is out, uh, and. But since I got it today, I'll probably after the podcast go home and read it. I've never and pass out. Oh, well, what a fun night I had for yeah, you, Amanda Barnes. Yeah, I'm kind of hip and a party animal. Yeah, so. I love it. <laughs> I've never subscribed to anything on Comics- Comicsology. So mm-hmm. what happened uh, on the day it's released? Do they send you an email or something to kind of remind you? No, I got on to oh, on my lunch break at work and uh, and I saw. It's like your book, you know, it's like your books or I was looking at my iPad and it was like like what I hadn't read yet on there and it popped up. It's like one new and I was like, oh, oh, 
that wasn't there. That wasn't there a few days ago. Oh. And so it was just released today. So I guess it popped up this morning or at midnight or whatever. And so I downloaded it onto my... But I since I have a subscription, it showed me that I had a new book, and I just had to download it to my app. Nice. Yeah, which is really nice. It's like It was like a fun surprise. And I used to put... If I knew a date that one was coming out that I really wanted to read, I'd put it in my calendar. I'd schedule it like an event, because otherwise I don't remember. I don't remember which date new things are, are getting released because there's so much overlap you know and a couple of books if they if they're if it depending on i guess production they're not necessarily out this you know exactly a month apart so you can't always yeah you can't always do that um very true i'm, I'm looking at my sale i thought oh, you were just right. ignoring me i thought you're just really nope. bored with this conversation i was pulling at my sale so i could be able to <laughs> say exactly what i pulled so it was both image comics that had the sale, as well as Boom Comics. They had a big sale. What is Boom Comics? Boom Comics, they do, uh, of another independent publisher, they do a lot of series, also a lot of, um, uh, oh, and IDW did a little bit too, and I quite involved in that too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Boom Comics, they do, uh, like Mark Wade was doing some stuff for them for a little while, but uh, I don't know if he does, no, he doesn't, he did like Irredeemable, and okay. uh, yeah, Irredeemable, I want to say Inconceivable, but that wasn't it. Inconceivable. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but a, a really cool one, a, a wide variety of different uh, stuff. Uh, Lumberjanes, if you've heard of that series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're okay, the ones that behind Lumberjanes. Okay, cool. Uh, but I picked up a series called, uh, caught up on issues of Giant Days, uh, Claws. Ooh, maybe we should do Claws at some point. As it gets closer to the holidays, we should do Claws. It's like the Claws, like the Santa Claus? Exactly. This is the, the basically the ongoing Tim Allen series. Great. Perfect. That's all. <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't get all my questions answered by the by the films. This one gets plural. really in-depth. I, I really needed to know. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> uh, this is basically Grant Morrison. You know him. Yes. Uh, he uh, is basically doing, say, uh, Santa Year One, sort of, instead of Batman Year One. This oh, is Santa Year One. So this is Santa's hilarious. origin story. Okay. How many issues in are they? They, uh, six issues. The seventh issue is, uh, well, actually, I, I, I picked up issue seven. So, yeah, seventh issue is the last one out. Okay. Yeah. So they're probably going to release a volume for Christmas, I would think. I would imagine, yeah. Like a fun special edition, ho, 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 the day. So if you want to find out, you know, how Santa got from, like, a really buff, uh, black-bearded and long-haired dude to, you know, the white jolly guy that we know today. <laughs> All right. You can find out. Uh, Goldie Vance, I picked that up, uh, which is a, uh, which I love about that. It's a, about kid hotel detectives. Oh, kid yes. hotel detectives? Yes. It's very specific. I know. So they, they work at a, uh, you know, with their family. Hang. Uh, they work at a beachfront hotel, and uh, they also, you know, a couple of kids get together and they try to solve little crimes that happen at that hotel. The boxcar children, but mm-hmm. with a hotel instead yeah. of a boxcar. Uh, power up, uh, which is uh, uh, four different beings that end up like getting some sort of uh, like uh, almost like a Power Rangers or a Sailor Moon. They get like these things okay. that give them like abilities. Our powers combined. Yes. Okay. George Perez, uh, his siren. Which is like six women uh, that uh, are really badass women fighting crime. But I love George Perez, so mm-hmm. I would buy that. Hit, which is uh, uh, like a, a nice little gangster comic set back in 1955. Okay. Uh, let's see, Lumberjanes. I could pick that up, and that was it for Boom. And You're then you <laughs> through your whole shopping list. Yeah, I thought I'm this was gonna be like, oh, I've been reading this thing. No, <laughs> I picked up Birthright. Okay. Uh, a, a long-running series of image. A Black Magic. Picked up some of that. Okay. Have you read it? You re- did you pick up Black Magic? I did not. The, uh, the Greg Rucka, uh, Nicholas Scott. Well, I do like Greg Rucka. You know that about me. Yeah. Mm. So this is his latest series from Image. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So I picked up I picked up the first two issues, and then I just picked up the last three after that. So. Cool. Uh, Black Road, which seemed intriguing. It seemed about, like, uh, some guy that just had, had, a, had a wrong done against him, and he's going out to get vengeance. Uh, ooh, and then let's, and I also picked up, I know you're excited, you're so excited about this, I can tell. It's like tell. just in the bees. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to take the whole podcast. No. What a dumb idea I had trying to liven us up. Headlopper. Headlopper. Yes, which I read about, that was supposed to be pretty cool. Uh, it's so like th- nail biter. Yeah, so I thought I'd, t- I'd try Injection from uh, Warren Ellis. Uh, so I thought that, 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 that and Declan Chevy. Shelby, uh, they did the art from Moon Knight. They were, were, huh. uh, his reboot. That looked really intriguing. And, of course, Lazarus. Uh, Monstrous. I picked that up, too. Do you I like not, Monstrous? I haven't read it yet. I okay. picked up a bunch of issues. Like I, I feel like it's a series that I should like. Uh, Paper Girls. Yeah, Paper Girls. Uh, Trevor, don't you like Paper Girls? Isn't oh, yeah. that you? 
Trevor's a big fan of Paper Girls. Picked up that, picked up Ringside, and, you know, various few I other things. Hearing, that I, I've picked up Paper Girls. I have it. I have a couple of issues of that on my iPad, and I keep hearing how great it is, and I just need to, like, sit my ass down and read it. Uh, and then The Wicked and Divine. Oh, yeah. Great. Which I've read, like, the first, I think the first two issues, and mm-hmm. then that was it. So I feel like, I mean, I've bought every other one anytime they have a sale, but I've not read more than that. Have you read any? Wicked and Divine? Yeah. I read the first issue, and not for... It not being good, I just I haven't gotten to pick it back up again. I kind of been overwhelmed with other stuff, but I I like the first issue, and I keep hearing wonderful things about it. So interesting. I, I like. What's the distinction for you between something like Lazarus, mm-hmm. where you're like I you know I liked it so much, I liked the first issue so much, I got a subscription for it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Wicked and Divine, you read that first issue, you like it, but you know I mean it's been you really haven't read anything since. I probably wouldn't get a subscription until I were maybe like six issues into something. It'd have to really blow my mind to to get a subscription for it because then it's like if you lose interest if you're reading and uh you know things by the single issue and you're going you're like getting them on wednesday you're going to the store and picking them up the paper copy if you lose interest you just stop getting it but for me it's like if i lose interest then i have to get on and cancel my subscription <laughs> i'm so <laughs> lazy so hard i'm lazy i'll just forget like i'll forget to do it and then we like dang it so I think I have a subscription to Lazarus and Bitch Planet. Um, and th- that's it, I think. That is and it. That's it. That's all I have a subscription to. And so I think that uh, if I like something, like if I re- – I'm usually if – if I'm pretty sold on something, I like the – I love the idea and I like the writer and like kind of flipping through, I like the art, then I'll probably buy the first three issues, maybe even the first six if they're available, if they're on sale. Uh, and – if I dig, you know, the first three or six or whatever, then I'll get a subscription to it. But I'm not going to read. Like, I didn't even I didn't get a subscription to Lazarus after my first issue. I was a couple issues in before I – maybe I even didn't realize that was a thing I could do. Mm. You know what I mean? It might have taken me, like, <laughs> six months to be like, what? And I can just pre-order this? That's crazy. <laughs> um, so – now, yeah. as somebody that loves Brian K. Vaughn, mm-hmm. you've said this many times I on... I do. I'm so creepy about it. ...the, the apostrophe cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, no subscription for Saga. You know, I have a lot of Saga... You know, the reason I'm not subscribed to Saga is that I'm not caught up on it. That's the only reason. So what I need to do is order the volumes. I need to finish, get caught up... Once I'm caught up, then I will get a subscription to that. I just, I just don't. Right now, it's like overwhelming. It's like I can't. Okay, it's like when Harry Potter gets the letters from Hogwarts, and it's like they keep. He hasn't even gotten to read the one letter, and they keep shoving them in, and they like get come down the chimney, and it, all of a sudden there's letters everywhere. That's how I feel. <laughs> I get overwhelmed because I've got so much stuff already that I haven't read yet. So it's like, okay, I can't, I can't just have things showing up in my inbox that I when I'm not up to date I have to like order those things first I'm very strange where are you on <laughs> saga like how far behind there uh I feel like pretty because I think now they're in a they're in I keep saying episode Blah. I think now they're an issue I think they're in the 50s somewhere I believe now uh somewhere between 38 and 42 really? I okay think. all right yeah. so I'm not as far off I'm in the like late 20s mm, okay now, will you buy those all digitally to catch up and read? Or no, you want to buy the actual hard copy? Well, I have the first three volumes in hard copy. So I'll probably keep going with hard copy as many as I can, you know, as many as I can until I'm caught up. And then I will probably get them digital so that they just show up. Hmm. And then once a new volume comes out, if I really like it, then I'll keep getting it. Because I also like having a set. That's the thing about me that's super weird. I want a set like a match set. So I want like, um, you know, like I have like the, the collector's edition of Breaking Bad, you know, in like the big black barrel. Mm-hmm. And I have all of the seasons of Friends, but they're all like each, I know you can make a face at me, that's fine. <laughs> but I have like, you know, I have like each season in its own like matching thing because I got them for Christmas one year over the course of like, so I don't have like the big set of that, but I like having everything in a matching set. So right now I have Six hardback Harry Potter books and one, th- one that I got in UK that doesn't match. The cover doesn't match the other ones, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> so I really want to go get 
I want to go get that one, and so that like the covers all match. I'm such a I don't know what it is, but I like having all. I I don't like having half digital and half paper. Interesting. So just for travel, and, and just for sake of uh, sheer laziness, is that you'll do the <laughs> six. You'll you'll get the one. Uh, English version of that UK one that you have, rather than get six more of the UK to match that yes. one. Yes. Well, then I'd have to go over to UK to get it. I was in I was in Spain when I bought that, and when it was a seventh book, it came out while I was in Spain, and I was like, well, I'm not going to waste my time looking at a cathedral. <laughs> not when I get to Not when I got to go seventh. get this this Harry Potter book. So I like ran down to I was in Madrid, and so I like, ran down and bought one. It was kind of awesome because I was expecting for them to be like sold out, and I was because I was so used to. U.S. that you know I mean like pre-order and I walked in and they were like wasn't there wasn't any fanfare or anything I just like grabbed a copy it was so easy and then I read it on the whole on the bus like between visits to things and um but now I have like that one and I love it like I I love it because I got it when I was there but I really want the seventh book that goes along with my set but if you had to compare the cover art for both those versions Mm -hmm. which which uh set do you feel more oh the states Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, for that one specific, because the the art on the hardback books that I have for the other six is all the it's all the drawings. It's like the when you know with the it's like drawings of Harry, and it's like uh, it's illustrated, mm-hmm. right? On the seventh book, on you know the Deathly Hallows, it's like just a it's almost I think it's a photograph of a pendant, and it's supposed okay. to be I think it's supposed to be Slytherin's. Um, pendant, but mm. uh, but yeah, it's just a photo. It's like a photo of a pendant. No, so it's not. It's, it really sticks out, and it's not as big as the other ones either. It's like a different dimension. It's like smaller, squatter, and so yeah, I like things that are I li- with books and DVDs. Like all my DVDs are alphabetized. It took me a long time, and I'm really not even. That's the thing is, I'm, like, I'm not all that organized, to be honest with you. But those two things I have control over. So all my DVDs are are alphabetized, and I have a lot of them. I have a lot of DVDs. When was the last time you watched one of those Friends DVDs? And I, well, I watched Friends on Netflix two nights ago. Hmm. But you spent all the money on the DVDs. I didn't. I got them as a gift. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Joke's on you, Moran. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm going to be like cleaning or like mindlessly, you know, then I'll like put them in. And P.S., the DVD versions, I've noticed, are different than the Netflix versions. The Netflix versions of Friends don't include... I don't know why, but it's a different cut of the episodes than the DVDs are. Oh, wow. Because I've seen them now often enough because they're like always in the background because I can clean or do whatever while they're on. Um, and they've got jokes on the DVDs that they don't have on Netflix. So, And bonus and blooper reels and stuff. So, Oh, man. Yeah. N- nothing better than watching a blooper reel. That's I love a good blooper reel. I always feel like there's I, – I love a good blooper reel, but I feel it's so easy to make a blooper reel terrible. Yes, that's true. It has to be really cut together well. It does, and yeah. it's like, and, and a nice, it, and I feel and like funny bl- people. Yep, it's like not, it's like if you just watch. I've, I've seen bloopers you just watch, and it's just somebody getting like frustrated, but they get frustrated and angry and like kind of mean, and it's like, oh, I bet that they hate that this is up because <laughs> it doesn't reflect them in the best light. Yeah, I I want to see like just real, uh, a lot of a lot, a lot of just fun mess ups. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people just not taking themselves very seriously. <laughs> You know, uh, but but I but I, f- I feel like I want that pacing just right because I want it long enough for I because if as long as it's funny, it could be as long as I want. Yeah. Like I want more and more and more. But if you start putting in like dud like dud scenes that you're outtaking and you're like nothing really that funny is happening between each outtake, I'm like, why are we watching 15 cuts of this one scene? Oh, There's no. nothing. Well, so mm. I feel like the the pacing and the, that's why I think a good editor can make a great gag reel. I agree with you. Just like our gag reel, it's hilarious, guys. Wait till it comes out. Oh man, just it's Ooh. gonna be twenty minutes of us talking about nothing, and then Trevor going, "You know we're recording, right?" And be like, <laughs> "That's the whole gag reel." <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I was curious. Thank you for filling me in. Um, if anybody oh, yeah. is reading any of those things uh, and has opinions on them, feel free to tweet us. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I, I know you brought so I think that I am. I'm, I'm, I've been between the two between Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. I feel like still image or boom, things like that, kind of secondary to, I think my main passion, my main party has been like DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. And if I had to look, I feel like I'm buying a lot more DC than I am Marvel. Which for you is weird, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, because so many people can say like, I'm a Marvel guy or I'm a DC guy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like I can, 
I can flip so easily towards either side. You play for both teams, as it were. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm publisher by, I'm, I'm by publisher. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, publisher. by publisher. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because it's like, yeah, there's certain things that I like that one publisher does that maybe I, I wish the other one did, and vice versa. Uh, but I feel like this DC Rebirth, I think, in terms of what they seem to want to be accomplishing with it, is mm-hmm. which is getting a lot more sales driven there. I'm I'm digging it. They lowered the price point, and even and for the most part, they're shipping most of their titles twice a month. But for some reason, like paying, I'm now I'm paying six bucks a month for two issues mm-hmm. as opposed to three ninety nine for one. Yeah. So I still feel like it's worth it, and they've been able to really kind of maintain at least a, a good consistency. I mean, there have been some titles like we talked about Harley Quinn, you know, like <laughs> eh, whatever. There's a few titles that like eh, I, I'm dropping. Yeah. But overall, I feel like the two ninety nine price point doesn't seem that cost prohibitive to me. It doesn't make me regret my purchase. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to pretty much give anything a shot at two ninety nine. Okay. Uh, for this new rebirth, I mean, except for the, the, I mean, there's like the new Superman. I'm like, nah, forget that. I'll pass on that. Okay. But I think it's been really successful, and I feel like if I had to stack up every week the amount of stuff I'm buying from DC and the amount of Marvel, DC is hands down every single week. More. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting to see kind of how that changes. Also, I bet for you, like every time there's a reboot or a. Yeah, because like during the new Fifty Two. Yeah, mm-hmm. not at all. Right. Uh, I tried. I can't. I don't know if there was a series that I was buying regularly during New 52. I know there wasn't. Not for DC. No, for sure. So that's kind of disappointing. But for you, for the Rebirth, have you been staying with anything? No. Not really. Simply, just, and is that simply just <laughs> because really. you just, yeah, you have too much stuff to do? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's just, I don't know. I, I like the Flash Rebirth. Finally, been reading that. I thought that was good. That's right. Yeah. I did, liked, you, oh, did you get that? Final I issue? finally did. Yeah, I <laughs> finally did. Um, I like Flash and Aquaman, hmm. um, but I'm not super. I'm not up to date on Aquaman, but I've liked Aquaman. It wasn't really out of dislike because if we go through and we talk about like the rebirth titles that we've discussed on the podcast, it weren't really. I mean, I thought like the Harley Quinn and both Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad, I thought were a little rough. Um, but it's so it's not really for lack of that. It's just more like character stories that I just find the most interesting that you're going to be and I'm usually attracted to the darker more in my opinion human stories mm. which is strange but that's kind yeah. of how as things that are set in a set in a reality or mysteries I like mysteries or um, kind of that noir style you know um, yeah I don't know I just but but there's there aren't any of those right now even the ones that I'm enjoying that I feel like I need a subscription to. That's kind of like when I'm in, when I go on Wednesdays and I go into the, to the store and go like, oh, what's new? Oh, right, yeah, there's a new, you know, there's a new one of these. I'll pick that up. You <laughs> know, like, it's nothing that I'm super glued to right now. And really, nothing Marvel. Nothing Marvel. But part of that is just because I feel like, I feel like I've got so much catching up to do. You know, it's like, yeah. oh my god, I can't even focus on a new Marvel title. I don't <laughs> even know what any of the old titles are. I'm so overwhelmed. So, and part of that too is that people keep giving me because they know that I don't know. You know, so they keep giving me um, uh, recommendations, which is awesome. Yeah, and amazing. And then I go and I read those things. You know, so I kind of been more on like a recommend. There's really just like two or three titles that I read pretty consistently, and everything mm-hmm. else is pretty much recommendation based. Because I know, and you said save it for the cast. Uh, we we <laughs> talked Flash briefly. Uh-huh. And um, so do you watch the Flash TV show at all? I watched the first six episodes. Of this season? or I mean, uh, oh, from the seven, beginning. From the beginning. Yeah. Uh, all right. So when Flash gets rebooted, our Jeff Johns uh, takes over the, the Flash, mm-hmm. and he basically brings Barry Allen back from the dead, mm-hmm. sacrifices himself back on, uh, in Crisis on Infinite Earths issue eight to save, mm-hmm. <clears throat> to save the multiverse. Right. Gone for 20 years. Jeff John says, hey, you know what? We're going to bring Barry Allen back, and I'm going to do the miniseries that kind of reestablishes him back in modern-day DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they ended up changing his backstory slightly, where they had Professor Zoom, his, doppel- his opposite number. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had him be responsible for killing his mother, much like on the TV show, the reverse slash kills his mother. And that kind of formed the man that he is today. And I feel like that ha- whole act was like, it is such, such an albatross around his neck. Like, that whole, like, murder of his mother just, ugh. Because I feel like it's unnecessary. Yeah. And, but, it, but it becomes such 
uh, low-hanging fruit and such a weighted thing that almost every story now from The Flash and the New 52 has some mention of like, oh, his dead mother. Well, didn't we talk? We talked about that on anybody that we, we were we were fortunate enough to be guests on podcasts called uh, a Podcast of Two Worlds. Hmm. I wonder who does that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we were guests on that podcast and we got to, and that was, it's about The Flash. And so we talked about that a little bit. But when I'm watching the show, man, it's like he comes down the stairs and he's like, Mom. And she's like, Oh, honey. I'm like, She's going to die. You didn't even have yeah. to know. Like, it was so tropey. It was <laughs> so tropey. It's like, Well, she's gone. Like, he might, and the dad came down, like, No, he might die too, but probably not. It's probably just going to be the mom. And sure enough, then, like, 45 seconds later, she's, yeah. she's done. She's done for. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. It, I feel like, you know, I mean, and I guess maybe that's the problem with Barry Allen is that when he was originally established, I mean, he was kind of very much like a straight-laced, upstanding guy, and some people thought that meant boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a, a major complaint from a lot of different writers, like, I just, you know, he's just not that exciting to write. And his series started kind of declining, and so they ended up doing this really long story arc about him being put up for trial for the death of Professor Zoom, mm. who was trying to kill his... He was about to get married again. And There's uh, nothing that gets people going more than a courtroom drama. That's... I mean, it went on so <laughs> In written <long>. word. <laughs> Oof. I mean, uh. I felt like they knew at some point that the series was going to be canceled. So yeah. they said, all right, why don't you just wrap up the storyline? There's no sense in trying to establish anything new, because... Yeah. This is going to be your last go-around with the character. So it dragged out forever. Gosh, I want to think. I want to think 20 issues. Mm. Ugh, ugh, so long. Um, so I don't know if Jeff Johns felt like the need, like when Barry Allen comes back and he decides to bring him back into the DC universe, that mm-hmm. he's got to add some sort of kind of personal drama into his life. And so he had it that Professor Zoom went back in time and killed Barry Allen's mom, like you see on the TV show. Yeah. And, man, I feel like that was such a downer just for this character. Because I feel like that I – like. But everybody brings it up almost every single time. Almost every story yeah. arc has to do with him like, oh, should I go back in time and I just say my mom? And I feel like Batman, certainly his parents' death, has a big, was a big contributor to him becoming Batman. Right. But it's like... But every issue he's like, my parents died. Yes. <laughs> or having people remind him like, oh, you know, guess what? Your oh, you're an orphan, died. so uh, oh. you don't count. Yeah. Uh, now, it's just a real Speaking of orphans. Oh, wait. Yes. Sorry, I was go trying ahead. to tie into our... Oh, yes. A nice. Uh, I just want to ask Trevor, okay. am I crazy real quick for having that thought about uh, this retcon of Barry Allen's mom being killed by the reverse flash? No. My dad uh, felt the same way. He grew up still very Barry Allen. Uh, he stopped reading before uh, he like got to that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he definitely noticed that when he came back. He's like, no, this is not Barry Allen. What's this? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's drama. It's needless drama. Yeah, I mean, drama. Barry, yeah, drama. There's, I don't think there's anything gained by this character to have this put on him, especially if Barry Allen's supposed to be more of a cheery, optimistic character. Why give him this needless kind of tragic origin story? Or not even an origin story, but backstory. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was fine before that, and I, it, it, and it's become like everybody wants to keep addressing it. Like, how many times has the TV show addressed that again and again and again? It's like, please, let's well, just move on from this. And the difference between... Sorry, I'm like... No, get in on Trevor. Um... What Johns is doing and what everyone's done since is that Johns used it to empower Zoom as well. It, it, it like, because it, it shows like the power, because it's a really cool setup to it of like, um, the reason he's able to do it is because he's finally able to figure out how to co- like go through time and do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And so he uses it to like make Zoom that much more of a threat, make Professor um, Reverse Flash that much more of a threat. And so it's, John's used it smartly to be able to, yeah, it does sort of degrade the character. It does take a lot of the optimism away from him. But where John's idea is separated from everyone else using the idea is he actually used it to, like, make something, move move that other character forward, too. So I think you're right. You're definitely right. But John's, at least in the initial story, in the initial setup of it, did a good job, I think. But then it just sort of collapsed after Flashpoint. Because I feel, I already feel like the professor, a Reverse Flash, has already been established as like a really, I mean, yeah, he's a big time villain for for Barry. I mean, he killed his first wife, right there, kills him right there. So already that establishes like this guy is, he's a creep. He, I mean, he's one of the ba- baddest of the bad. And I feel like, do we need to also have him be the responsible for the death of his mom? I mean, was he already a bad enough guy? Does this all of a sudden make him like, oh, now he's he's really super bad? Mm-hmm. Is it necessary? Well, I think with Iris back. Yeah, they, kind of, they needed something else to push it. 
I guess. But I feel like the nice thing about, like, if you think, like, Batman's care of Rogue's Gallery, even Spider-Man's, uh, they can vary, especially with Batman's, more serious, more vile. They're more evil people. Uh, and Spider-Man's, you know, they kind of vary. But, uh, like, the Flash, I feel like his with the Rogue's, I mean, they're it's more like, you know, hey, we're having a gentleman's agreement when it comes to crime fighting. You know, we're going to try to rob stuff, but we're not going to kill anybody, and you try your best to catch us, and that's great. We kind of play this game back and forth. I feel like not every superhero needs to have like the evilest, evilest, evilest of villains to make you like think that. Well, that's what makes Don an interesting character because he's the one who breaks the gentleman's agreement. Because hmm. that, that's what sort of sets him apart. In that is yeah, because that's that's what's fun about the rogues is the yeah. fact that they have rules, um, and Flash follows everyone follows them. Even the Flash follows their rules too. Um, but Don's the one who's like, yeah, screw that. Break past it. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So, hey, remember when we were talking? Yeah. No, I'm still here. It's cool. <laughs> hey, oh, uh, hey, man, are you still here? <laughs> no, I took a little nap. Okay, see you. Um, see no, I would actually just encourage anybody that wants to like hear more about The Flash to listen to a podcast of Two Worlds. Cause that's it's, true. Because that's like, exclusively what they're, what they're talking about, and it's really good and entertaining. Unlike Amanda, who was not entertained by any of that conversation. No, I just know you have to leave to I don't do your to, thing. But I, I have got go time. Tangent. We're right. gonna keep Trevor here longer than he's supposed oh, no, to be. No, no. So, all right, let's get let's 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 course correct on this tangent and get back into the whole reason that we're here. <laughs> the whole reason that we're no, it's my fault. I invited I invited other things. You invited it's, discourse. It's, it's, I invited discourse. Conversation. Totally my fault. No. Um, we're talking about uh, Dark Horse Comics. We are. And we're talking about Gabriel Ways and, uh, or sorry, Gerard Ways and Gabriel Baz, uh, Umbrella Academy. That's right. Yeah, and I, I don't remember what, oh, well, there we go. I read uh, The Apocalypse Suite. Ooh, Did you read more than that? Yes. Uh, well, uh, and then, Volume one? Uh, yes. Uh, Great. So for that, I, I, how much did you know about Gerard Way before you started reading this? Uh, n- actually, nothing. I read the foreword and I was like, oh, right. That guy. <laughs> my, so he is, he's from My Chemical Romance, a band. Yeah, it's and I'm certainly I had always heard of My Chemical Romance, mm-hmm. but I never listened to any of their music and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, anytime anybody mentioned, hey, uh, George Way is going to be writing this series now, it's like, oh, okay, I mean, that's a musician. He's going to be writing this. But he also interned for DC Comics when he was growing up, too. So, I mean, he does have a, a deep background in comic books. It's not like some people that, like, do stuff and then, like, hey, now that I've uh, been successful in this, you know, oh, wait, well, maybe I'll try writing comic books. Mm-hmm. That's I, like, I mean, Anthony Bourdain did that, too, with uh, that's Jiro, true. the Jiro uh, book. Um, or, yeah, Jiro. Yeah, is he a, is he a big... Uh, he grew up, he loves comic books. Oh, he like, loves comic books, and he said he kind of got the opportunity and was like, well, that sounds amazing and fun. So that's what he did. And um, and that one is, I just I just bought it, and it's at home. I have to read that one. I feel um, like that, if you are successful in one medium, I feel like that gives you so much clout when you go to... It does, yeah. ...something else and say, hey, I want to do this now. It does. But also, I love it, too, when... Like, I think this is a great example, right? Is, is you know, Jarway is a... He's a musician, so he was able to bring that into this, mm-hmm. you know. It didn't feel like super out of left field, um, and and I think in in Bourdain did the same thing with his, which is like he's a chef, and in this world that he's created, that he you know co-created, the highest currency, you know, it's basically like foodie culture gone through the roof. So the most valuable thing you can have is a reservation at at like a wonderful restaurant and the chefs get to pick who they serve and who they don't. And mm-hmm. it's a world where, you know, like if you come in and the chef serves you a roll and you immediately dunk it into soy sauce without tasting it, like they can behead you. You <laughs> know what I mean? So it's kind of awesome. Like there's this kind of crazy, like underworldy feel to it. But I think that in the same way that you see a little bit in the Umbrella Academy, it's, you know, the, the creator kind of using his background that doesn't necessarily seem related, but but bring it in to influence the story, so side, which I think is cool. Side, side tangent again mm-hmm. on this. Uh, <laughs> if you go to a restaurant, yeah. don't you – because it, the way that you're saying Anthony Bourdain kind of establishes the rules of this universe is mm-hmm. that basically no substitutions. Mm-hmm. Whatever the a chef has made, that that is the way that it's intended to be eaten, mm-hmm. and you just got to either like it or you're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Do you subscribe to that in real life? Do Sometimes I, I do. Really? If I trust the chef, I do. And I love food. I love to – shop for ingredients to form a menu shop for ingredients to cook a meal to eat like i love all of that um and i think if you go to a really good sushi restaurant then it it drives me it drives me bananas when people salt it doesn't matter what it is if they salt chips or fries or anything without tasting them first Mm. that drives me crazy 
taste it. And then like I would go, I would go out to lunch regularly with people who, um, and none of my work colleagues, if you guys were listening to this, but I do have friends that, because <laughs> I know some of them do. Thank you guys. I love you all. But I know that I do have some friends. I'll go out and we'll get burgers or whatever, and they'll eat their they'll eat their fries, but they won't taste them first. They'll just start salting them, and that drives me nuts. Um, but do you feel it's like, like it's okay? Taste it and then salt it. But like with sushi, if I go to a really good sushi restaurant and with an inventive chef, and it is a nice like fine dining sushi place, no, don't don't take your wasabi and like drench it in soy sauce and then like put it all over your roll if you before you eat it anyway if you try the roll and you're like you know what i really want soy sauce on this then okay you know like ah. that's fine <laughs> but usually it's like if it's a piece of sashimi prepared with a ponzu like that's it's that's your sauce like it's a ponzu and it you know should complement the flavor of the fish when you were talking about this i thought you were going to say that people salt their sushi uh, I'm sure somewhere in the world there's somebody who salts their sushi. Ugh. Yeah, it sounds terrible. But yeah, I think that it just depends. Like that's. But for my biggest thing isn't so much. If you've never been to a restaurant before, you're not going to necessarily know that the chef is like that. But I do, in some instances, have a, have respect for chefs that are like no substitutions, because, um, especially you know, unless it's like the case of an allergen or something. But generally speaking, I think that. Um, Again, if it's a fine dining restaurant, if it's a chef that's been it's Michelin rated or you know he's been doing it for a long time, he they have worked really hard to develop a menu and develop a recipe that the flavors and the textures and everything complement each other. And why wouldn't you want to give that to somebody? If it were any other work environment, I feel like you know if you worked really hard to prepare a presentation and then like right before you give your presentation to a group, somebody goes, "Oh, but by the way, could you just like <laughs> could you just like change the charts so that they're flow charts instead of pie charts <laughs> like i don't know what job does that but i'm sure there's a job <laughs> that does that and you're like well no because the line uh, the specific type of chart i picked illustrates my point better and they're just like yeah but like i just like but i like flow charts i like i like this other type of chart better huh? <laughs> so i don't in no other you know what i mean in like in no other situation would that be would would um it be frowned upon to like i don't know I guess I try to equate it just any other job. Like, no, they're artists. Like, they've put all this work in, and they've done a lot of research to try and test a dish. So eat it the way it's supposed to be eaten. And if it doesn't sound like something you'd enjoy, don't order it. Well, to play devil's advocate for what you're saying, for friends that you go out to lunch with, mm -hmm. but not your coworkers because your coworkers are cool and you guys get it. And you're, <laughs> and you're handsome and you're attractive yep. and you're awesome. Yep. Uh, do you ever think that they go out there and they they salt it without tasting it because they've been there before and they know that the fries are bland? I maybe. I mean, I get. I I mean, I understand because I go. Well, the last time I was at McDonald's. I don't know, people will do that at McDonald's, and I get it, because they're yeah. frozen fries that all, they are going to taste the same. But I would still say, taste it first. I think we mm. as a culture, as an American culture, have gotten so used to things being really sweet and really salty, and we mindlessly salt things without tasting it. I think we've just grown accustomed to that. So taste it, and if it needs it, add it. You know, like I know I like my fries with ketchup. So I'm going to get ketchup to go with my fries. But usually, now that I think about it, I usually eat the fries first. And then and I then drink and then, the ketchup. As a and chaser. I drink the ketchup. I chase it with ketchup. Exactly. <laughs> That's how every, doesn't everybody do that? Nah. And the fries are, you know, fries are like, are a little bit different. Or not fries, but I think ketchup's a little bit different because it's more like a sauce than a seasoning, mm. you know? But it, the same thing is if I'm someplace new, if I order like, I like I love like sweet potato fries and ranch or Russian dressing because I'm a monster and I'm from the south and that's what I do. But if I'm at a new place, I'm even I'm gonna order my sweet potato fries and get the dressing on the side, and I'm going to eat it. But at first, I'm gonna eat the fries on their own to see what they taste like. Hmm. Because sometimes they put garlic on them. I'm just saying. No, I don't that's know. True. It's it's a weird thing. I just don't like when people add seasoning to their food without tasting it first. That's what drives me crazy. <laughs> I don't know. But in, in very nice, in very, uh, in restaurants where the chef is, knows what they're doing, and you, these are places that you go there because of the chef, right? Places okay. you've never been, you're there because of the chef, because they got a great write-up or whatever. And then you get a beautiful piece of sushi, and you immediately, like, douse it in soy sauce. Like, I don't know, and in some parts, you know, in some parts of the world, and even, you know, restaurants here, they will kick you out. They'll, they won't serve you anymore. Mm. You know? So, 
Does the same thing hold true for you for burgers? If so, if you get a burger and somebody puts a ketchup on it immediately, are they insulting the burger? You should eat it without burger first, uh, without mm, ketchup first. That depends on where the burger's from. Depends on where the burger's from. But in general, no. I don't. I mean, if it's like a pretty standard burger, if mm-hmm. it's just a just a cheeseburger or whatever, um, and it comes without condiments, then usually I I trust that and I put I trust my judgment because because burgers themselves aren't usually seasoned too much. The patties aren't usually seasoned too much. It's usually just beef and. But then I feel like it's, I th- that is a failure to me of a patty. If it is not, it's not seasoned, it's got to be super seasoned. Okay. Otherwise, it's like I, I want that meat that has some flavor. Yeah. When I bite into that. But see, though, do you, so do you? Do you eat your, try your burger first and then put ketchup no, on it? No. So put how ketchup. do you know that the meat has flavor if you put ketchup on it immediately? Because the thing, like, you can taste the ketchup, but you can also just taste this, the hopefully the saltiness or like whatever, the, just like the flavor of that patty as you're biting into mm-hmm. it. You're like, all right, yeah, this is good. Yeah. Like, uh, there's nothing worse. I love burgers. Probably if I had to choose my favorite food, probably burgers would be number one. Really? Oh, my dad's like that, too. There's nothing more disappointing than a burger that's just bland. Yeah, it, it is a bummer. Because it could be so good. And it's such an, I mean, I, I think it's hard to make a great burger. But, like, a meat, a decent burger isn't a hard thing to get. You can get a decent burger at some fast food places, mm-hmm. you know. So it is always, it's really sad when you have a bad burger. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really sad thing. So remember, speaking I, of sad, look at that. So look how look how we we segued right off of that I know. into a topic there about about creator owned stuff, but coming from different uh, a different kind of uh, I don't want to say stature, but uh, like a different medium, right? Different medium, yeah. yeah. So you're going so in to play with you know play by somebody else's rules. If you ever want to, honestly, if you ever if you want to see me go off on a tangent, ask me about food. That's kind of my way of that's kind of the thing that will get me to to go there. And I know for you, it's superheroes. So I pretty yes. much fed you your tangent, and that's you fed right. me mine. So tangents, everybody, <laughs> have fun. All right. So yeah. All right. We'll get into the Umbrella Academy. Let's do it. Uh, what well, really, really cool here. I mean, it's basically uh, we find that there's uh, like some cosmic uh, being here uh, that is somehow in at the end of a fight is now kind of expelled its energy and impregnated a variety of different people around the globe. Mm-hmm. And there are seven children that are born. Uh, there are more. That more. Are born, and only but not seven. All of them. Yeah, only seven are surviving as okay. of right now when the story starts off. Uh, and, and what I like is that they're all taken in there by Sir Reginald Hargreaves. Yes. Who uh, uh, goes by the name of uh, the Monocle. Yes. And only wants them to refer to him as Monocle. Don't call me Dad. Don't I love that. Yeah. They, they, so yeah. So he adopts these adopts these kids. He holds a press conference and then kind of disappears with them, right? And he holds a press conference and they say, "Why did you adopt these seven kids?" And he just says, "To save the world, of course." And that's it. And that's kind of and what's really neat is that all happens in like three pages. Mm-hmm. It's like a hell of a, a hell of an exposition in a lot of time, which I thought was really good. I thought it was handled pretty well, really fun, very playful and ridiculous. Oh yeah, um, and uh, and yeah, I I think that um, that whole you know they, the couple times at the beginning, you know, he's got these kids and they're what ten, eight, something like that. They're really young. Yeah, and they call him dad, and he's like, "Don't call me dad." <laughs> he's like, "Don't call me dad." <laughs> what I like is that he doesn't even bother calling them by their names. Their they numbers. Even, yes. Mm-hmm. And he numbers them uh, from highest to lowest in order of how, how important they are to him. Uh, not, not, and not even talking in like a loving way, but just like how useful can whatever this kid do be yes. more, more useful than anybody else. And Seven, of course, um, has no powers that, that she knows of, that anybody knows of. She's just a good violinist. And <laughs> he's like, quiet down, Seven. Play your violin. And it's such a bummer. It's like these, these kids are like the opposite of mm. like Maddox Jolie Pitt. <laughs> like, like these, like these are kids that get uh, adopted by somebody with the crazy sums of money, um, and are just devoid of any emotional attachment at all, which is such a bummer. <laughs> so, and they still call him father, or our father, sometimes, but they know they're not really supposed to. He doesn't like that. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. Like the whole the story is weird. You learn all these kind of strange things about them and. Um, yeah, but, I mean, no, I felt the like best way to tackle it is kind of going through, going through the story, or yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, because I, I felt it was pretty straightforward there mm-hmm. until it got like towards the towards the end, like five. Then this is the first. This is six parts. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. uh, and I like that on the cover. I I, I like the that that the first page in each issue is almost presented like an album cover or something. Mm-hmm. It's like this is part two of six in which and it, you know casting this person in this role and this is the title 
And then at the end, it always has like a little factoid or something kind of weird that, that rolls in, which I thought was an interesting way to format. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I feel like the kids are very interesting. I mean, certainly a, a great deal of time has passed. Uh, they're on one invention, and then uh, it was like almost, gosh, almost like 20 years go by. Mm-hmm. And uh, they found out good old, uh, uh, good old uh, Reginald Hargreaves is no more. And it's also revealed that Six is dead. They think he's dead. Yes. Right? Six, Six kind of just Six. went off and did his own thing. But he died. Did he die? Didn't they say something about him being dead? Briefly, oh. they mentioned that. Mm. So somewhere in that time, Six also is passed, I believe. Yeah, so he's dead. And we don't really know why. We don't really know why he's dead. Um, but Five can time travel. Mm-hmm. So he time travels. And it's actually when he is in the future reading these notes, he says something about uh, about um, Six being dead. Ah, Okay. Uh, yeah. And he's like, we failed. We failed our, you know, I failed my, we failed as a family and Six is dead. And then he learns that his dad is dead. And he basically transports himself th- to the future, um, which is one of his powers. And he can't get back. He's like, whoop, dad was right. Can't go backwards. So he was in the future for like 50 years, just hanging out. And he realizes that he basically transported himself into Armageddon. Like everybody's dead. Oof. Right? Yeah, that's tough thing to do with you when you got time travel. Yeah, because I, mean, I, th- I feel like yeah. I mean, the idea is you'd want to go in the far in the future, see what it's going to be like fifty years from now, hundred mm-hmm. years from now, but then not realizing that well, you know, things could happen between now and you know twenty fifty. You know, yeah. We could be in a nuclear war. Yeah, could be something like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I guess like Barry Allen from The Flash, we learned it's like that to mess with the time. Way to bring it back full circle. Got it, guys. Way to Thank make you. that tangent relevant. I'm a pro professional. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so they kind of combine, you know, forces, and then Seven, who is the kind of the, the bastard child, she's the one who has no powers, and they've never uh, even pretended like she was useful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's a violinist. She's not a great violinist, but she basically gets picked up by kind of an, even, an evil villain. Yeah. And who runs this orchestra of death. They just, like, all these... Evil people that also happen to play instruments, I guess, and uh, and they do a surgery on her, basically, and make her super powerful. Um, and the design of her is really cool when she's all super villainy. She looks like a violin. They call her the white violin. Now, as you're talking about the looks for this, what do you think of the way that they interpreted the, uh, the, the seven? Um, the seven? I think it's strange, but I like it, and I think that it suits the the type of story this is and suits the the writing really well because it's a little zany right the proportions yeah. are kind of weird especially at the beginning the kids have like giant heads you know um and uh and you know they wear the masks that don't they don't have like irises and you know anything like that so uh, it's a little it's a little weird but i think that it suits the story uh now for you uh, these characters that we have inside here how how much was there one character you responded to more than any other? Um, for me it was Luther because I, I I want I want a giant monkey body with like just a human. Who's one? Luther's yes. number one. Lu- yeah, yeah. I want a big giant monkey body. He's, with my and head. also Space Boy. Yeah, he's got like a million names. Just put my put my head, you know, <laughs> on top of that, then that's totally. That's all cool. you want. That's all I want. And then you'll be satisfied. I would be satisfied because I think it'd be more be I, I think it'd be a popularity different sure yeah i mean i gotta you know i mean certainly like people that i think people follow me mm-hmm. yeah that's what i want like that guy looks like he knows where he's going <laughs> what he's doing <laughs> yeah um i i liked their their i mean he's like a literal monkey butler he's a chimp yes but uh, and that was a funny thing that they dropped in right up top that sort of i think set the tone for the rest of the story is that their their father you know the the uh, monocle mm-hmm. he got a nobel prize for it's like progression in chimp spinal i don't know he's like he wins like a nobel prize in something regarding chimps and then kind of throughout the story they have their essentially dad's like sidekick or butler or whatever is a chimp it's just a talking chimp and later on you go through and realize like that oh there are chimps that are also cops and there are chimps that are like just in the world and they never really address it it's just the way things are which i think is really funny 
Yeah, this one definitely, I mean, you get the feeling as you're reading this, that is not our world. We're mm-hmm. not reading something like, oh, yeah, this happened right outside. Yeah, I wonder what the other's doing after this. Yeah. Now, this is an entirely fully realized, <clears throat> fully realized world. Yeah. And, and uh, how much did you know about Gabriel Ba, the artist for this, before? Very little, but I know that I've seen his name on something else that I have, and I don't remember what it is. Did you read any of uh, his Matt Fraction work that he'd done for Marvel? He did... Oh, uh, uh, did they do Odyssey? No. Oh, uh, no, but Matt, Matt Fraction did write that for Image, but not... not uh, he wrote that after this came out. Uh, ooh, I'm trying to think. Um, shoot. Um, oh, it's gonna kill me. But he's got a brother, Fabio Moon, too, and they do stuff together. Oh yeah, uh, I saw. That's who he dedicated it to. Yeah, and they'll do projects where they'll alternate stuff. Uh, for in fact, uh, Matt Fraction, where, as I was thinking about, like some of his things that he works, he works on uh, uh, some stuff there for. Um, gosh, shoot. They teamed up on a several books there for Dark Horse, and I think they did that one independent thing for Vertigo, kind of like a, just a novel where they wrote, they co-wrote it, and they drew it out. But uh, I mean, cool that I mean, there's just their styles are very similar enough that you like you can see like, oh yeah, okay, I can see where these guys are both coming from. Yeah. But different enough there, so like if they switch it up, and it's like you're definitely getting a slightly different flavor. Yeah. It can be just as good, but just a slightly different flavor of art style depending on which one you have. Did you did you like it? And I know we're also running short on time, so I want to. Did uh did you like this book? Did you I, like the art? Did you I, like the dialogue? I liked it. It's um, it's good. I mean, it's not it's not like oh my gosh, it's great. And I remember reading when it first came out, just a buzz about it, and mm-hmm. people were really jazzed about it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I it's like I didn't like not like it. I mean, I enjoyed it and it was good. Uh, like the second series uh, gets really just like a lot of te- temporal mechanics and stuff in hmm. there. It can get kind of like. Heady? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as okay. in terms of trying to figure out who's doing what and why, uh, and they're traveling back in time. There's multiple people that are now back in time, and it's like, ugh, yeah. all right, cool, thanks. Okay. But for you, did you enjoy it? Um, I did, because I, I thought it was different. I really enjoyed it when it first started. It felt to me, and then, of course, knowing that he's a musician, and he's kind of, it felt like, I was like, yeah, I believe that. I believe that a, that a musician created this and somebody who's, you know, like a, I don't know, what, what style of music would you call my chemical romance? Emo. Emo. Yeah. Ew. Emo punk. What? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I get it, you know, like, because there's a sense of ridiculousness and fun and, um, and so I like that. I thought that it was unique and um, I do like it. I, I don't feel necessarily like I need to know what happens next. I think this was a nice full arc, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to reading more, but this isn't one of those that I like have to immediately now go and get, you know, for, for me. Okay. But I think it's, um, it got surprisingly dark in a couple of places. I was like, whoa, all right, that's monkey brains splattered <laughs> all over the place. Uh-uh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought the art was cool, different from other things that I usually see. Um, I think there's a lot of funny things in it and surprising moments. Mm-hmm. Like their mother is just a plastic, like, I don't under- even understand what she is. She's like a plastic mannequin or something. She's just so weird. That's true. Um, you know. Uh, well, because what, what I like about that is that, uh, I mean, she's some, st- we don't know really her backstory. Everybody, right. She, unlike uh, the monocle, only lets you, like, only refer to me as monocle. I do not want you to call me dad whatsoever. Right. And right. they can call her mom, mm-hmm. and yet. Not really, you don't know her backstory, but she doesn't I mean, seem like a real, necessarily a complete human being. Yeah, and like those questions, honestly, those are the ones that I'd like to know more about. I'd like to know more about her. I want to know what happened to the other brother. And so I do actually have questions. Um, but it's funny because it's like I kind of just want those questions answered and I want to know more about their family dynamic, but I don't necessarily, I liked them all together talking more than I liked their like crime fighting sequences which I thought was sort of weird. Hmm. Like the action sequences to me in this weren't the exciting part of this. And uh, the action sequences, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. This feels really frenetic and chaotic to me. And I don't know if it's because there's so many people or what, but that's sort of how I felt. So I was a little surprised by that. Was it the art side of it that it was like, eh, it didn't sell it? Like if it had been drawn by different artists that might have been able to uh, um, do panel, better panel layouts, you may have enjoyed it more? Maybe, because so many of the other sequences are really clear and really beautiful, you know, and I like the art a lot, but I feel like um, 
with the explosions and stuff, I would both I th- would say both the art and the dialogue. I was I don't know what's going on here. Like I really don't. Like there's just I don't know like necessarily panel to panel like who's fighting and it's just hard like it's hard for me to look at it and like look at those. You know, these big yeah. these big panels. There's like lots of explosions and stuff, but I don't I don't really understand what's going on. And I think a couple of them, the text is a little hard to read. Like when the robots are talking, the text is a little hard to read. I do, mm. however, like the shape of the word bubbles, which is such a weird, funny thing to say. That no. They're kind of irregularly shaped. Yes, there's which I thought about was that. cool. Do you, uh, when you see those uh, kind of word bubbles shaped like that, because I mean, even think like characters like the Martian Manhunter have mm-hmm. that, those kind of bubbles. That, and I think that subconsciously, at least for me, makes you kind of read it slightly different. You end up putting a different voice in your head yeah, about Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I, it reminds you that it's a kind of quirky weird comic style yeah <laughs> it does for me it does uh, it just it shows you like there's just so many different aspects of comic books that have to come together to make it a piece mm-hmm. of art and lettering is so so important it does it. and you'd think that it wouldn't be as I, I, not that you not that you think it wouldn't be but i think that's one of those aspects that's so important that people don't usually give their due yeah you know um is, is the lettering so Okay. Well, would you would you recommend it? Do you have any interest in uh, continuing it? I, I would. You know, I mean, I, I, I as I was kind of gazing at the another one, and there's a lot of time travel stuff in it, which I do love time travel you as, do. A, as a concept. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would be interesting to read the second series and just see. Uh, I mean, what little I did look at it, I mean, it was getting pretty convoluted, and mm-hmm. that was you know, only two issues into a six-issue uh, series. And, in fact, I know we've got the Umbrella Academy, and then his sequel, or uh, Umbrella Academy Apocalypse Suite, which we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And then his, uh, his sequel then was... Uh, Oh, it was Dallas. Okay. And then he also has uh, supposedly Hotel Oblivion that is being uh, that is being proposed and supposed to be working on. And then there's supposedly a fourth one that he wants to do as well. Oh wow! All in the same series? Yeah. All yeah. So it'd all be Umbrella Academies, but exactly how much time is going to pass between the next ones are released? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. I think if they if they if I knew kind of in advance, like okay, well, this one is dealing with kind of this storyline. Then, uh, then I might be, in, you know, inclined to, yeah. to revisit. Um, so I thought it was good. I thought it was worth reading and uh, and interesting. It's different, which I liked a lot. No, they're Funny, they're but I was surprised. I, I guess I, I don't know. I guess I thought I'd be like really blown away by it, and I wasn't. I'd be curious because I mean I think he has a lot of great concepts and mm-hmm. stuff, and sometimes I'm like, oh, those are really kind of fun, and sometimes I'm thinking like, eh. Uh, but I'd be curious to see if you read the first issue of Doom Patrol that he just came out last week. That I have he not. Did. So he's over uh, overseeing the writing of it, and somebody else is penciling it. But just to see what you think about, like, uh, has he kind of refer uh, refined like his quirkiness when he to like elaborate setups and ideas and characterization yeah. from when he did Umbrella Academy to now that he's working on uh, that series. Uh, there's yeah. like a big big change. I should check it out. Yeah, yeah, to kind of see it because uh, this uh, this vision of the Duke Patrol kind of harkens back to more of the Grant Morrison run, where it has more like the like peculiar. Events happening around people—it's got more of those uh, kind of you know very alternative takes on a lot of the characters. So, yeah, uh, yeah the second issue for Doom Patrol just came out today. So I, it be, might be interesting to take a look if you're interested to just see if he is grown to you, having read this something that came back out in like 2008 compared to now. Mm-hmm. How much has he grown just like in you know, almost eight years of writing? Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, um, let's uh, let's wrap up because then we've gone over yes. a little bit. Um, so, I was thinking we discussed this a little bit. Uh, we're kind of gearing up for uh, The Walking Dead yes. season seven to premiere on AMC, um, and I actually have not yet read The Walking Dead comic books yet. I've kind of wanted wanted to read them for a long time, and I feel like now would be a perfect excuse. Ah. We want to read them and then uh, discuss. I know. Uh, they're not. I don't want to say any spoilers here. Um, we might have spoilers on the next podcast, so just a heads up. But uh, there's an arc that deals with Negan, I believe, who's a major character on the show that's basically just been introduced. So I thought maybe we could touch on that for our podcast next time. I love it, Amanda Barnes. Great. And uh, so what? what is that? We are doing a story arc that is entitled, as I pull up my, my smart, smart computer one more time, uh, the Walking Dead, something to fear, volume 17. Okay. So currently over 150 issues of The Walking Dead we're going to be doing. Uh, I think this is going up from one, like 90, 95 to 100, somewhere around there. Okay. Uh, we'll be doing that storyline right there. All which right. Actually, for those of you, you know, uh, 
and watching, who've read the comic book and watched the series, know that it introduces Negan at the end of that. So it'd be nice for us to kind of compare how they've done that in the TV show compared to the uh, what was on the comic and was either one more successful at doing that introduction. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Sounds good. Oh, All right. We've do done it. it. Yeah, we did. All right. Um, so let's, uh, let's play, play ourselves out. Well, we, first, where can they find you if they want to talk oh, to you about comics? That's a question. I was so excited. Um, they can, uh, find me, if you want to talk about comics, they can find me at comic book novice on Twitter and Instagram. And of course they can find both of us if they use the hashtag, uh, novice and Frank. That's right. And you can follow me on Twitter at happy go Jack. You can just hear, I'm, I'm, I'm here guys to listen to your comic book musings. Yeah. Please let us know. Yeah. And if you, again, I know we're doing, uh, cause we want our time to walking dead specifically. And I think the week after that, we're going to start aiming for something because Dr. Strange coming out in theaters. That's very right. Soon. Yeah. Exciting. But don't let us just be the only ones recommending reading to each other. If you have the ideas of things you would like us to read and hear us talk about, mm-hmm. feel free to tweet us or send us an email, mm-hmm. maybe a sexy pic of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, holding, mm-hmm. holding that sign. Yeah, sure. If it's blocking your naughty bits, send it. <laughs> send it. <laughs> That's right. Or like uh, some kind of, or like uh, maybe they can all be written in like little pieces of paper and hidden in cupcakes. Oh, that'd be so well creepy and awesome. I would eat. I would eat. I uh, would you eat random cupcakes mailed to you, and then <laughs> only, not knowing why, but you bite it, and then all of a sudden there's pieces of paper that have like story. If titles. it were a fan of this show that made them, I would. Oh. I would. Yeah. Okay, Han Solo. Han Cholo send us cupcakes. Yeah. It's really demanding of people that, 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 that like and review our podcast. All right. So now. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Two last things. One, a shout out to the guy in Finland that downloaded us. Yeah. Thank subscribed. you so much, Finland. We love yes. you, Finland. Second shout out to Trevor, as Thanks, always, Trevor. making us sound so great. Yeah. Very uh, great and patient. Final shout out here to the Nerdist Podcast booth here uh, at the Nerdist School, right mm-hmm. next to Meltdown Comics on Sunset Boulevard in sunny and beautiful and hip and happening Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles sure is. Yes. Yeah. And now, now, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to get Trevor home. Okay, yes. All right. Comics with the novice and Frank. Like that scream, scream. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Good night. Bye.